Wasn't that a beautiful rendition of faith is the victory that overcomes the world? And I couldn't have chosen a better song if I would have told her, Gloria, I want you to play this one because it goes with a message. It's unbelievable how the Lord works. It's all by the Holy Spirit. It's all done for his glory. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we come before you today and we're so thankful that we're here and we have the opportunity to meet and break bread and hear from the word of God. Lord, until you come, we want to continue to preach the word of God, not man's ideas or philosophies or ways of doing things, but we stick to the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Lord, please speak to us through the Holy Spirit today to where we need to hear it and live it and have victory, Lord, in our lives. We want... The victory because it all goes to your glory. And we just commit this time to you now and pray that you'll speak to our hearts in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The French, and Ada liked this, I was telling him about it yesterday. The French speak of a disease they call la maladie du mois or me sickness. The disciples were troubled by this disease. They were so much concerned with themselves. Despite all the strides science has made, it has offered no vaccine to combat this deadly ailment. The only remedy ever effective for this is offered by the great physician, our Lord Jesus Christ. His love engenders selflessness for selfishness. In the heart of man and me sickness vanishes as does the morning mist before the sun's healing rays. You know, I think this is very true today, don't you? There's an epidemic of me sickness. Me first. What's good for me? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? We've become such a selfish society. And not only in the United States, but throughout the world. And it's affected Christians as well as the world. And as Christians, we know that we have two natures. We have the old Adamic nature that we had by, from birth. And we have the new spiritual nature, which is the nature of Christ that we have from the new birth. And these two are in constant conflict with one another. And from the moment we get saved and we get this new nature, God does not take away the old nature. And you wonder, Lord, and this is a good question we can ask him in heaven, why didn't you take away my old nature when I got the new nature? And I think the answer is is pretty obvious for us. He wants us to have victory over that flesh, that old nature, that old carnal man that's inside of us. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to do it. He gives us the word of God to do it. He gives us prayer to do it. He gives us all the necessary equipment and tools and resources we need. But when it comes right down to it, we have to fight the flesh. We have to fight it every day, every hour, every minute and every second because the flesh wants to take over. 
The flesh wants to ruin our Christian lives. It wants to put us into trouble all the time. And that's why the key to this message today, the title of it is Victory Over the Flesh. Now, we as Christians have three great enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And each one of those could be a separate message. But this one today is focusing on the flesh. It's that person you look at in the mirror every morning. When you get up and you look at yourself and you try to make yourself look pretty or handsome and you groom yourself and you dress well and that's all fine and good. But I have something to tell you this morning and it's I'm speaking to myself first. The person I look at in the mirror in the morning is my greatest enemy. Even a greater enemy than the devil. Even a greater enemy than this world. Because the enemy is right inside of me. And it wants to bring me down and it wants to ruin things, as we said. And God wants us to have victory over the flesh. And there was a movie a number of years ago that had a title, Sleeping with the Enemy. And I don't know if how many of you saw it. It was an interesting movie, good movie. But that's exactly what happens to us as Christians. We're sleeping with the enemy. The enemy is ourselves. I'm my own worst enemy. I get myself into more problems, my tongue and my actions and my words, than anything else. Someone once said, the flesh gets us into trouble, but it's the spirit that keeps us out of trouble and gets us out of trouble. And that's where the victory comes in. And today we're going to look at three things from the Word of God. And as we're going to look at Exodus chapter 17, Verses 1 through 8. Exodus 17, 1 through 8. Let's read it together. It's a short portion, a beautiful portion. And we're going to see how Amalek, in this passage of Scripture, is a type of the flesh and how God hates the flesh even more than we do. And it says in Exodus chapter 17 and verses 1 through uh Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so that they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner, or Jehovah Nisi, or Yahweh Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation 
to generation. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, let's start out by saying the flesh attacks us at all times. Have you ever noticed that the flesh attacks at the most inopportune times? You're sitting at the breaking of bread and all of a sudden a sinful thought comes into your head and it seems to interfere with the whole worship. Or you get up in the morning to come to church and you have an argument with your spouse. Or something happens. Or the pipes break in the house or different things happen. And the devil always tries to use these things. And the flesh gets to us. It always rears up its ugly head. And just when you try to push it down and get it, it rears up its head again. And that's why the fight against the flesh is never ending until we get to heaven. We're going to battle the flesh till the very last minute. The flesh is like an army that knows it's defeated, knows that the battle is, uh, war has been, has been lost, but keeps fighting. Keeps fighting. The flesh will not give up. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 and 17 with regard to the flesh, he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit or wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's that conflict, that spiritual conflict between the flesh and the spirit all the time. And so when Moses came in the night in the ninth, eighth verse, it says that Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Notice it's the flesh. Notice it's Amalek that initiates the conflict. And usually what happens is whenever there's a battle, the flesh always, and Amalek in particular, when he talks about Amalek, they always went after the weak ones. You notice when they have these specials on National Geographic or different shows, they always show lions and everything, and they show how they hunt. And they go after a herd of other animals and these other animals are all together in a group and there's maybe one off to the side. There's one weak one. And what does the lion go for? Does he go for the all for the group? No, no. He goes for the easy one. He goes for the one that's easy pickings, the one that he can get himself onto. And that's a lesson if we are carnal, if we are weak in our spiritual lives, the devil's going to pick on us and that flesh is going to is going to rear up its ugly head against us. And so when God talks about Amalek, Amalek was a type of the flesh that never goes away. So Moses said to Joshua in verse nine, choose some men. Notice he says some men. He doesn't say all the army, but he says choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of my God in my hand. And I thought that's an interesting wording. And the Holy Spirit chooses these words very carefully. And when it says choose some men, I think they may have underestimated how powerful Amalek was because he didn't send all the men. He said choose some of the men. And sometimes we can take the flesh, we can underestimate just how evil our hearts are. We can underestimate just how capable we are of sin, of every kind of sin. And we have to be very much on guard against that by the Holy Spirit. 
And so Moses says he's going to go and he's going to stand up on the hill and he's got the rod of God in his hand. Remember when Moses first spoke to the Lord before he even went into Egypt to deliver the Israelites, it says that God gave him a rod. God gave him that rod and that was the rod of God. And whenever he would perform those miracles and those brought those plagues onto Egypt, it always says he lifted up his rod. And that was a symbol of the power of God. And he knew that that was the way to have victory over Amalek was by the power of God. And so he raised up his staff, his his rod. And Moses spoke to Joshua and Joshua obeyed and took on this fight. And it's interesting here in this passage that Moses, he lifts up his hand. And as he lifts up his hand, Israel prevails. But when he got tired and weary, he lifted down his hand and Amalek prevailed. There's got to be a way. We can't lose this battle. When Moses raised up his hand, things were going great for us. But when he lowered it, it didn't. So what they did was they took Aaron and her, these two godly men at this time, and they supported his hands and they put a, a stone under him. He, he sat on the stone and they lifted up his arms and supported his arm, his hands. And as they did that, they gained the victory. Now, it's an interesting thing about her. We don't hear too much about him in the Bible, but Bible scholars are pretty much clear and, and believe that her was the hus- uh, husband of Miriam, the uh, who was Moses and Aaron's sister. So they were all connected in the family and her was a godly man at this time and they were supporters. They supported the hands of Moses. And that's what we need in the church today. We need those who are supporters, those who will stand with the leadership, those who will stand with the people of God, those who will honor God and take charge. And that's what we need today. We need people like Aaron and her to support the work. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for those who serve us. We need to pray for each other to get the victory over the flesh. Because as we get the victory over the flesh, and as we do it together, we will be blessed. And it's so very important. And it says that Moses' hands in verse 12 were steady. They were steady. And praise God for that. And they were steady until the going down of the sun. And we thank God for that. And when you think about the flesh, Jesus made it very clear when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples, what were they doing? They were sleeping. Jesus was in agony because he was going to go to the cross. And he came to them and found them sleeping and found them sleeping. And he prayed three times, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And each time he comes back, he finds them sleeping. And then he made this comment to them in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, where he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is Weak. Isn't that an interesting contrast Jesus mentioned? The spirit is willing, and that is a spirit with a small s. The spirit, our spirit, is willing, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. And that's why we have to be on guard against it all the time. And that's why we can't fight the flesh in the flesh. We have to fight the flesh in the spirit. 
That's why he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And secondly, our second point today is the way to victory is through prayer and the word of God. Twice in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5.25 and in 2 Timothy 3.1, Paul uses three words here. He says, brethren, pray for us. Now, if Paul needed prayer, the great apostle Paul, the great missionary, evangelist, servant of Christ, probably the greatest Christian man who ever lived, if he said pray for me, we need prayer too. And that's the only way we can gain the victory is to pray for each other and with each other. I praise God that every Monday night when we go in and have the men's prayer meeting on Monday nights and we have prayer and we have a devotion first and then we pray. And it's so encouraging. We've been doing it for years and we're going to continue to do it. Many churches don't have prayer meetings anymore. And it's sad. How do they get the victory if you don't have a prayer meeting? How do you do it? You can't. The Apostle Paul, though, as great an apostle as he was, he mentioned about his own reaction and his response to the flesh in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, where he mentions this. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now, if Paul said that, it's true of us. In our flesh, in my flesh, Nothing good dwells. For he says, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Yes, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. There's nothing good about it. And you know you can't improve the flesh. It's not going to get better over time. It's not going to... No, it can't be improved. It can't get better. It's always going to be the same enemy in us that we have to fight against all the time. All the time. Constant battle. And that's why the Lord wants us to be cognizant of it. Paul didn't trust his flesh and we shouldn't trust it either. Charles Kingsley once observed, if you wish to be miserable, think about yourself. (laughs) That's true. Think about what you want. Think about what you like. Think about what respect people ought to pay you. And then, to you, nothing will be pure. You will spoil everything you touch, and you will make misery for yourself out of everything good. You will be as wretched as you choose. The more we focus on ourselves, the worse we're going to get. That flesh is going to take over. But when we focus on Christ and what he wants us to be and what he wants us to do and trust him for the power, he will give us the victory. And I like how at the end of the battle, when they won the battle, none of them took any glory for it. None of them did. Moses erected a banner and it says, the Lord is my banner. And it was Jehovah Nisi or also Yahweh Nisi. And that is this. And I know Sylvia has given many messages on this over the years on the different uh, portions like this. And it shows that Every person in the story had a part, but God got all the glory. Moses had the rod of God and he lifted up his hands. And as his hands were lifted up, the Lord gave the victory. So that was his part. 
Aaron and her had a part to support the hands of Moses, to hold them up so that they would get the victory. Joshua had a part. He was the general. He led the troops out to battle. He had a part. All the soldiers that went to battle, they had their part. The whole nation of Israel that supported it and prayed for them, they had a part. But all that put together, it gave the glory all to the Lord. And every victory that we have over the flesh, every victory that we gain is a victory that God gives us and we should give him the glory because otherwise we can't do it on our own. If we try to fight in our own strength, we're going to fail, fail miserably. But when we fight in the strength that he gives us, he gives us the victory. And then our third point today, the war, the war with the flesh will never end until we get to heaven. It's encouraging and discouraging at the same time. It's encouraging because when we get to heaven, the flesh will be gone. We'll have, we'll have no more sin, no more flesh. That's the encouraging part. But the discouraging part, I still got to live with this flesh. I still got to live with this body of this flesh that wants to fight against it. The flesh doesn't like anything spiritual. The flesh wants worldly things. It wants carnal things. It wants to fulfill our appetites for this world. But the Spirit of God is the opposite. It wants to point us to Christ. It wants to to have us as be spiritual men and women who love the Lord and serve Him. So there's that constant warfare going on. In verse 14, it says, Then the Lord said, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. This was a perpetual war in Israel between the Amalekites and the Israelites. And God hates the flesh and he hates it even more than we do, as we said. And in Romans 8, 12 to 13, it says this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to gain the victory. Now, you would think it would be nice if if the Amalekites were all wiped out at this time, never to cause any trouble again. But they rear up their ugly heads again. In the days of Samuel, uh, Samuel told Saul through the Lord to go and fight against the Amalekites. And he told them that you are to kill every man, every woman, every child and animal and everything and wipe them out. Sometimes in scripture, we have to be careful because God is bringing judgment on these people. It's not that he hasn't given them a chance. He doesn't love them, but he gave the Amalekites so many chances. He gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites and all these different people many years to repent. But they didn't repent. And so this was a, as a war. So God sent him. And what did, what did Saul do? His was an incomplete obedience. He kept alive King Agag, who was the king of, of, of Amalek. And he kept alive the best of the animals and all those things. And, and God was displeased by that. Later in the days of uh, David, the Amalekites were still at it again. And what they did was they went to Ziklag where when David and all his men were out fighting the Lord's battles, 
They left the women and children in the, in the city. The Amalekites came in. They took captive all the wives, all the children of the people, and they took them away so that when David and his men went back, their wives were gone. Their children were gone. The people that they loved were gone. And David was so in agony. And they were speaking of stoning him because of what happened. They were blaming David for what happened. But David, it says, strengthened himself in God. And he says, we're going after those Amalekites. And then they went and they found this man who was wounded and left sick and everything. And he said, can you take us to where they are? Yes, I'll take you to where they are. Just don't turn me over to them again because he was one of their uh, servants. And he says, and I'll show you where they went. And there they were celebrating this this uh, victory that they so-called had where they took all the captives away and they were drinking and reveling and all that. And David came upon them and he killed them and he rescued every single one of those wives and children. Not one was lost, not even one. And they were all brought back safely. But it just goes to show if you don't conquer the flesh, the flesh can conquer you. And so that's the key to it. We can't let that flesh have a victory over us. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. It's always good to ask questions when you study the Bible. What does it mean to make no provision for the flesh? What it means is don't give the flesh anything. Don't go into situations where you're vulnerable, where you could stumble and fall. Get out. Separate yourself. And that's what, Joshua, that's what Joseph did in the, in the book of Genesis when he was with Potiphar's wife. He got out. He fled. In 1 Corinthians 10.12, it tells us to be warned that we are not immune for the flesh. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, none of us are all of us, I should say, are vulnerable. We have to be careful because the flesh is strong and we need the victory of the Lord. And we are our own worst enemies. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Our, our flesh is filthy. It really is. The Bible describes our sins like filthy rags. And when that old sinful nature, that's what it is. It's filthy. It's filthy. But we have the Holy Spirit. And we thank God for that. And he gives us the victory. I read an amusing poem and I'm going to read it um, just to conclude the message here this morning. Sometimes I think we can think of ourselves too highly. We can somehow think that we're indispensable and that we people can't get along without us. That if we're not there, it's all going to fall apart, right? There's athletes that believe that. Right now, they're going through this whole thing with KD, Kevin Durant, with the Warriors. And the Warriors are winning without Kevin Durant. And the reporters are putting the microphone in him all the time, and it's kind of making him upset. Because, you know, he's a superstar. And the Warriors do need Kevin Durant. But they have such good players that it's not about one player it's about the team and so but sometimes we can start thinking of ourselves as is really good so there's a little poem that goes like this 
Sometime when you feeling when you're feeling important, sometime when your ego's in bloom, sometime when you take it for granted, you're the best qualified in the room. Sometime when you feel you're going would leave an infillable hole. Just follow this simple instruction and see how it humbles your soul. Take a bucket and fill it with water. Put your hand in up to your wrist. Take it out and the hole that's missing is a measure of how much you're missed. (laughs) You can splash all you please as you enter. You can stir up the water galore, but stop. You'll find in a minute that it looks quite the same as before. There's a moral in this quaint example. Just do the best that you can. Be proud of yourself, but remember, there is no indispensable man. May God bless our study of the word together. In conclusion today, let's remember that we're in a fight. A fight to the finish. A fight to the end with the flesh. That flesh rears up its head in pride, in selfishness, in anger, in envy, in jealousy, in strife, and all these different ways mentioned in the New Testament. And the only way for us to gain the victory over it is like they did here. They have to fight. And it's through the Word of God and through prayer. It's through humbling ourselves and trusting in God and not in our own flesh. We need to cling to the Lord in complete dependence. God hates the flesh even more than we do, and he wants us to have the victory over it. And may the Lord give us that victory on a daily basis. And when we fall, and we will have times where we fall, he wants us to confess it, repent of it, and say, Lord, strengthen me to go on and to fight this flesh and not to give up. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you throughout the New Testament that the victory that was won for us on the cross has already taken place over the world, the flesh, and the devil. But the devil fights on, the flesh fights on, this world fights on, and we have to battle it, Lord. And when we battle the flesh and we gain the victory, we give you all the glory. And it strengthens us to grow more and to draw near in complete dependence on you. We pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing. Please give us a wonderful rest of the day, a wonderful picnic tomorrow as we have it here at the church and softball game at the field. Lord, please be with us each day of our lives. Help us to rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.